Hello everyone and welcome to Deeply Simple YouTube if you're watching it on the YouTube channel or podcast if you're hearing this. My name is Vidushi Sandhir and here we break down deep concepts around wellness into simple and easy to understand concepts. And this is the second in a series of conversational podcasts where I have people who have exhibited wellness or experts in certain fields drop in and have a conversation on a specific topic. Now today's topic is going to be self-harm and suicide. So if these topics are triggering for you, uh, we would strongly advise that you have your support system in case you do decide to listen or watch this podcast. To talk about this topic today, I have Parul Kuturia with me. I went to school in India with Parul. Um, I think all grades. I, I, I'm not even sure, but we didn't interact at that time uh, as we were not taking the same classes. But then I came across her Instagram of all things, social media, and noticed that her page had well-rounded posts on wellness. And that really piqued my interest. So we reconnected and we found that we had a lot in common wellness, wine, among other things. She has a very powerful personal story and an important voice that I wanted to bring on the podcast. So I'm very excited. Welcome, Parul. Great to have you here on the Deeply Simple podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Vidushi. So if you had to introduce yourself to somebody, what would that sound like? Introductions are always hard, <laughs> <laughs> right? So by profession, I am a mental health therapist. Um, as Vidushi said already, um, I come from India. I was born and raised in Delhi. And in 2014, I came to Canada and I completed my master's in clinical social work in here and have been practicing uh, as a mental health therapist um, for almost five years now. So that's about me. I think it's really important, but it's also really difficult to be a mental health therapist. So what led you to this work? So that comes the story that comes with a story now, I guess. Uh, so my story um, is tied to my work, to my personal story. So I lost my dad when I was 15 years old to suicide. And that's kind of what intrigued my interest in mental health um, because I just can never imagine at that time that somebody with mental health concerns could take their lives. So after experiencing that in my personal life, I was more curious about it and I myself went through that pain. So I wanted to help other people to move through this pain and maybe prevent some of the pain that I went through as well. So that was, um, that was something that led me to mental health field. Thank you for sharing that. I know that it's um, not easy to share such a personal story so vulnerably. So we really appreciate you trusting this podcast and the people who might be listening and watching to share that story. And uh, if you would allow me to dig a little deeper or dive a little deeper into your story, Parul, um, what, what, what were the mental health issues that your dad was facing? How old were you at that time when this happened? Thank you for asking that. Um, and thank you for like just letting me share my story over here. So um, the things that my dad went through was a lot. So 
the initial symptoms started when I was five years old. Mm. When I was five years old, um, around five or six, I would say, um, I saw him completely like crazy out of reality kind of thing. Um, so now if I have to put that in clinical terms, it would be a psychotic episode that I, he was going through. But at that time, as a five or six year old, I was like, my dad is crazy and something is happening to him. Please save him. Um, and this happened over the span of 10 years and the symptoms kept on changing from psychotic episodes to really deep, deep depression to uh, manic episodes to suicidal um, attempts uh, many times in the last um, couple years before he died by suicide. So he died on April 21st, 2003. So I would say in about 2001 or maybe even about 2000. So around that, around that time, he, he was actively thinking about suicide and he was taking steps to take his life. That is really hard for a child. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were in school at that time. Was there anybody that mm -hmm. you were able to talk to this, uh, talk about this in school or even outside in any kind of support network? No, Vidushi. At that time, I just, uh, <laughs> I just pushed everything right inside myself, just put a strong face on and moved on with my life. And I did not have anybody to talk about these things because I feel that there is a big stigma and shame that is associated with mental health and especially suicide. When it comes to suicide, nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to push it away. Um, so I was kind of scared at that time that either people will judge me or people will judge my parents. Um, I was just feeling very ashamed. Um, and also bringing the guilt that we cannot save him. We cannot do anything to save him, right? So, so those were things that, that I felt during that time of that people will not understand. People will judge me. People will not accept me. That, yes, I, am, I, I come from a broken family then. Mm. That I come from... A family that is not okay. Right. And I think this ties back to just just an incomplete understanding of mental health and even suicide, especially at that time. We are talking about mm -hmm. um, like uh, more than a decade back. It, it's hard to grow up in that time and having to deal with this. And now when you look back at that little Parul who was going through all that, how would you have liked to be supported in that time? Yeah, that's a great question, Luluchi. I think that I would have liked to have an adult in my life who could support me through that grief and helped me to just process my grief in a way that could help me to just make sense of what just happened mm -hmm. rather than turning it into 
like feelings of guilt and feelings of shame, I would have wanted a counseling support, a person who could really understand what I was going through in those moments, a stronger, kinder, and a wiser person in my life. It could be anybody. It could be a teacher. It could be a counselor, mm. like just anybody in that moment who could just have just held my hand just in that moment, right? And the process of counseling, yes, of course, that could have come later. But in that moment, just having a stronger, wiser adult who could just like held me and just said that, yeah, I understand you. I see you that this is hard what you're going through and it's not easy and I'm here for you. Wow. So uh, when I'm listening to this, I almost... Um, see you living two different realities at that time. There are two different versions of you. One is the version in school who to someone who does not know what's happening in your life is just a regular kid. And then Mm -hmm. the moment you go back home, there is this child who is stepping into almost like stepping into the shoes of an adult too soon. You know, a childhood Mm -hmm. that's being, that's being lost in bits and pieces a little too soon. It's completely different Mm -hmm. realities is is what I'm hearing. That's like crushing my heart as I'm saying that. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time you open up about this, I just realize how strong you are. Oh, thank you, Adoshi. I appreciate it. It just came through my heart that these people go through a lot. And having experienced these things through my own life, I think that that kind of just one thing after the other just kind of brought me where to where I am today yeah this this seems like uh it seems like the path in whatever way kind of chose you as well as much as you chose the path Um, yeah I work two jobs now to be very honest with you (laughs) but I started with children and youth and now I work with um young adults and older adults so my main focus is um suicide and I work with a lot of clients who um have thoughts of suicide or who have been through a lot of trauma like abuse so I work with trauma and suicide a lot when we talk about suicide are there any terminology taxonomy things that we need to keep in mind yeah totally so and you are referencing somebody who has died by suicide so you can say that that person has died by suicide rather than committing suicide Mm. or they are successful with suicide or Mm. unsuccessful with suicide or or words like that and then also the other other phrases that um they ended their life Mm. with suicide or by suicide in in mental health i think overall we really want to move away from associating the person with the illness so for example saying that he is depressed or he's anxious. So he is not anxious. He's, he's not like he's dealing with anxiety. Right. He, the problem is different from the person. So we are actually trying to kind of separate both of them, that they are not one people. Like, yeah. That is very interesting. So if in terms of um, suicide, it would be somebody who's having suicidal thoughts versus this person is right. suicidal. Is that totally, totally got it. That makes a lot of sense to me because you're kind of tagging and labeling them. But it's kind of like, you know, that this is who you are. This is whenever I talk about you, I talk about this part of your personality versus that you were having this Mm -hmm. this thought in a transitory basis. That's very, I didn't know that this is very helpful. 
Yeah, and and again, like Vidushi, thoughts and feelings they are they are changing every day. Mm. They are not you, right? Like they are changing. They are constantly changing. So we are always trying to differentiate between the person and their thoughts and their feelings. So they are they are not associated. They they are a part of them, as you said, but they are not them. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Right. What are some signs of someone? who is at risk of maybe attempting suicide there's no there's no clear cut like no clear cut manual but there are some signs that people can see if there are changes in their behaviors for example they are um withdrawing they are isolating um there are signs like physically you are seeing that they are not eating they are losing weight there are self harm uh, signs that you can see and they are writing notes they are telling people around them their family members or their friends that i'm i might not be like living for a long time you can see that they are um there's a lot of like self talk around i hate myself i don't like myself or mm-hmm. things like that right um the energy levels are really low they are having panic attacks maybe right so so those are kind of like the initial deteriorating symptoms and signs that you can look for so there are signs that the loved ones can definitely catch in the initial phases but if a person has made their mind you cannot deter that person and that's really sad Yeah that's really and that must be really hard as a therapist as well especially if somebody mm-hmm. is coming in and not kind of sharing it but for those um what i'm hearing is that at any point of time if there are signs where uh, the behavior is different from what we know the person to exhibit then it's a good yeah. idea to intervene and kind of get help if there are changes in patterns and behaviors and eating habits yeah. sleeping patterns get help and absolutely and and i i feel like uh many people do fear even the and of course like mental health is such a big stigma the more you talk about the, the mental health concerns the more we can bring in the change in the society the more we can normalize it so when so going back to how people do fear about getting into these um concerns are looking into or maybe they they just like deny oh nothing is wrong he's just having a ha- bad mm-hmm, day or mm-hmm. maybe it's just like a teenage phase that's going on mm-hmm. in his life right so so there is a lot of like fear going to that mental health concern phase because again like we are not feeling comfortable going there and people do fear talking about suicide or mental health concerns no i totally hear you and um coming from a non-therapist background but like from my personal story when i have suggested some friends that you know why don't you talk to someone why don't you see a therapist uh, it hasn't always been received as a constructive advice people are scared like as if there's something mm. what i've noticed is that people feel there's something wrong with them yeah. um uh i i think of a pressure cooker sometimes pressure cooker is this device where you cook something and there's like pressure building up so it's almost like i think they feel the moment they'll be in front of a therapist the valve will open up or something like that 
I don't know what it is, but I have noticed, I have seen this fear. And I think I told you, but what we started doing differently in our workplace was um, when I have a session with my therapist, I don't say that I have a mm-hmm. meeting or I have a prior commitment, I say, I have a session with my therapist. And my hope is that by just a small sentence like that, it would allow other people to either seek therapy when they feel that it's it's okay to do that, or to be able to say that, yes, you know, even I have a therapy session, even I'm getting help, like just be able to talk about it without there being so much weight around talking about therapy, like it's such a weighty subject for some people. So yeah, this was yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, Vidushi, you're normalizing again, right? So mm-hmm. you're normalizing that therapy is okay. Having emotions is okay. We are humans. <laughs> like, we do get overwhelmed. We do get anxious, right? We do get those feelings of anxiety. And that's okay to experience those. We are humans. We can make mistakes and we can feel all those feelings, mm. right? We are not devoid of those things. And so it's it's a great way to normalize those things, which I think our society needs today. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you mentioned self-harm very briefly. So um, I'm going to take a very non-therapist attempt at defining it. <laughs> like a layman, Um I would say self-harm is in some forms that I have heard about or read about it is in people, for example, might cut themselves because it gives them temporary relief Um, Mm -hmm. because I think people don't understand self-harm as well. So self-harm, I see that as an addiction. Hmm. So when somebody harms themselves, um, it's more about releasing their emotional feelings it's about numbing themselves from the pain that they are experiencing so what happens is that the emotional pain is so much it's an overload that they cannot they cannot do anything with that with that and instantly they want to release it they want Mm -hmm. a quick fix in this moment and the quick fix is to harm themselves and when there is a physical cut, they can totally attend to because it's easier to take care of that physical cut. It's easier to get distracted and take your mind on that physical pain than the the emotional pain because it's so unbearable, so traumatizing, right? So people usually use that as an outlet Mm -hmm. And then when they have used that as an outlet for a few times, it kind of gives them relief. It gives them a relief from the pain, from their emotions. Um, They just get into that habit of doing Mm. it again and again, again and again. So it's like, it's like coping for them. Mm -hmm. Right. You're right. And the way you explained it, now it makes sense why you called it an addiction. It's like when people might use substances to numb the mm-hmm. pain, the the objective is the same, that I mm-hmm. I cannot handle what I'm feeling. Let me feel something else, something physical. And um, I would imagine that there is a lot of shame associated with the act of self-harm. Oh, yeah. Like there's so much shame because it leaves scars on the body. I do see a lot of kids and a lot of children and youth who, who are wearing full sleeves clothes, even in summers. They are 
wearing it for a reason because they do not want to share, show their scars because then people would be like, there's a lot of reaction, a lot of judgment from people, mm. right? And we do not want that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that reaction. Mm. Like, oh my God, like what happened to you? What's going on with you? And everybody like who is on the street, who they meet in their friend circle, who they meet in their family circle, everybody would be like looking at those cars and would be like, oh, what the heck is going on? What's wrong mm. with you? Mm. Right? And so mental health and self-harm, like, like all of these things, they, they, people are good at hiding these things. Like- what I was realizing as you were talking through this is, and I know we don't really have a solution, maybe the solution or not the solution, the first step towards solution is to talk about it. But how as a society, our first step is always to judge when someone is different instead of kind of trying to understand that this might be the case because they are hurting. There might be a story that we don't understand. That's not our response. Our first response, like you said, is what the heck is going on here? Like, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, versus understanding or even attempting to understand that kind of we are a judgy society. (laughs) Totally. That's such a good point, Vidushi. So I don't know if you have heard about Brene Brown. Mm. Have you heard of Brene Brown? Vulnerability, right? (laughs) absolutely she has a great great clip if you get a chance to or maybe you have already seen it she has a great clip on empathy Mm. and she explains empathy versus sympathy in a very simple and a really um, like in a very articulate manner and she says that why we are not able to empathize is because we have to connect with ourselves to that part of ourselves that is so deep, deep down that nobody wants to touch. Mm. So if I have to actually connect with you, I have to connect something within myself first in order to connect with you. It's easy to sympathize. It's easy to say that, oh yeah, I'm so sorry that that happened, right? Every time a person is like, oh, I did not get a good grade oh, at least you got good grades in the other subjects. We just say at least. Like at least there's something that is a positive silver lining and I'm going to point your attention to that because it's very uncomfortable uncomfortable for me to sit with you in this pain and in this discomfort because then I have to address my pain and discomfort like you said. Wow, this is so true. One thing that I do want to kind of highlight is that when you come across somebody who is struggling with mental health concerns, listen to them. It's a whole different perspective, a whole different thought process that people with mental health concerns um, or struggling with suicidal thoughts that they are going through. So listen, be more empathetic if you can, rather than judging and saying that, oh, you're so selfish or Think about the other people, what will happen to them. It's creating more guilt for the other person when you say these things and they will shut down even more and they will not tell you anything. Mm. That's actually very important, especially the last bit that you said that if it's not, of course, we're not talking about a situation which requires um, an expert to be there in in the room. But even if it's like, 
conversations about hopelessness, helplessness, not always judging them and being like, I don't know why you behave this way. Like, think about the people who have much less than you do. That's something that I've heard very often. I'm I'm still learning that lesson in my life because I have that voice of the society in my head sometimes that everything is great. Why am I feeling this way? I don't have a right we to feel this do. way. Yeah. We all do. <laughs> yeah, totally right. And it's so sad denying the existence mm. of our emotions, the existence of humanity in a way that no you're not allowed to feel this way I, I really hope that we are able to create a society where and I think we are in the process of doing that but where emotions are okay they are very valid they are not fake mm. they are there they are valid part of you mm. and yes they will not stay the same they will mm. change <laughs> so meeting the person where they are at rather than putting your own judgments in there. If you get a chance or if anybody who is listening gets a chance to look at it, it's a really quick two minute video. It's called, uh, it's not about the nail. It's not about the nail. Yeah. Okay. It's a really cool video to just show as to how we just get into problem solving. And whereas the other person is just looking for validation. Okay. Yeah. It's a really cool video and it's a really funny one too. So if you get a chance, it's not about the nail. Go look at it. <laughs> I will I will put a link in the description box as well. If uh, For the Brené yeah. Brown um, video as well, the one that you talked about, if I can find that clip and uh, it's not about the nail as well. I do want to thank you again for yeah. taking out time. I know your time is precious with everything that you're doing and all the things on your plate. So I really, really appreciate you sharing your story so vulnerably and then really talking to everybody who might come across this podcast or this YouTube channel. I'm more than happy to do that. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And And I so appreciate all the work that you're doing. I learned so much from your work too. So keep up with the good work. <laughs> thank you. Now I'm blushing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. So we are going to wrap up the podcast. Thank you to everyone who was listening. I'll put some resources. I'll consult with Parul as well. Put some resources if you need support that is available digitally. If you are dealing with something where you think you might need a little bit of help when it comes to mental health. And I will also drop the links to the videos that Parul mentioned. So I hope whoever is listening, you have a nice, healing, warm, snuggly, nurturing day.